there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Sephora, we know how you love to use makeup, skincare, hair care, and fragrances that work for you, but also how important it is to be in the know about the ingredients that are in them, which is why we created Clean at Sephora, curated products from brands like Merit, Amica, Summer Fridays, and Fleur that have everything you want, minus certain ingredients you might not. Clean at Sephora is only at Sephora. Shop now at Sephora.com. Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. What do you mean we're breaking up? Charlie, come on, let's not yell like we always do. Let's just end it. I don't understand. I I just, I don't understand. When was the last time we actually had a good time together? We were just having a good time. Until you started with this nonsense. Charlie, please. You don't get to do this to me. You don't get to say that to me. We're together. We've been together. Charlie, you're scaring me again. Is there someone else? Huh? Charlie, stop this. Just leave before you get yourself into trouble. I swear to the Lord Almighty, you're going to get what's yours. I'll call the cops. Fine, fine. I'm gone. I don't understand what you're doing here, Rita, but you best be sure of the mess you've made here. Think about it before you end up having regrets. <laughs> on February 1st, 1947, a body was found in a park on the outskirts of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. The body of an unidentifiable 17-year-old girl. And this discovery would set off one of the strangest and most intense investigations in Rhode Island's history. And to this day, it's a case that leaves many more questions than answers. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. This is our first episode on the murder of Rita Bouchard. If you like the show, we'd immensely appreciate if you leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there, because a new episode comes out every Tuesday. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Now... Let's dig into the case of Rita Bouchard. The case begins with a man named Joseph Curry, who, on a chilly February morning, decided to go for a walk. Though he went to find some peace of mind and some fresh air, he ended up finding something far more gruesome. (sighs) Jesus, it's cold today. Should have grabbed my heavier coat. (laughs) It's February in Rhode Island. What the hell did I expect? And just thought a nice walk by the river would do. 
Huh? Yeah, that's odd. Who the hell did a boulder get so close to the river? Probably those teenagers playing. What the? Oh my god. Oh my god! Help! I need help! There's a dead woman over here! Help! Someone help! After Joseph discovered the body, police rushed to the scene. It was as big a scandal as had ever been seen in the small state of Rhode Island, much less the even smaller town of Pawtucket. And it was especially shocking to the local authorities. This is as crazy as anything we've seen on the force, ain't it, Grant? This is madness. I've never seen anything like this. This is big city stuff. Well, it's here now. What do you have for me? Nothing, sir. Nothing? Body is mangled beyond comprehension. No ID, no purse, no nothing. No one has been able to put any identification on the body. Great. No purse. Think this might be a snatch and grab type of thing? Does that body look like a snatch and grab? I was just using a figure of speech, sir. Nah, Grant. Even if this had been a robbery, they didn't take her watch. This is something bigger. Looks like we got a lot of work to do. Take one more look around. We'll get this body to dock. Immediately, the police began investigating, and the coroner examined the body of the unknown woman. I count 13 stab wounds on the back and two on the shoulder blades. But there's only three punctures on her coat here, and she was found wearing it. Well, I see 13 here, Inspector. So I assume that the coat was taken off and placed back on at some point during the murder. But why? Well, that is a question for you to answer, Inspector. Are there any other wounds? A clear slash of the neck here looks to be the final wound, and another uh, ten stab wounds near her chest area. Jesus. The monsters out there in the world today, I just don't understand it. Based on what I see here, Inspector, I placed the time of death no earlier than 6 a.m. this morning. This is a very strange one, ain't it, Doc? Indeed. Thirty separate wounds. Someone really wanted this woman dead. Come in. Inspector? Yep. What is it? The press is outside. What do you want me to tell them? Damn it. How do these things always leak out so quick? It's a small town, Inspector. Word tends to travel fast. You want me to send them off? Nah. Nah. Might as well get this part over with. Come on, Doc. I'm sure they'll want to talk to you, too. This never gets any easier. All right, all right, I'm Chief Inspector Wilfred Wadsworth of the Pawtucket Police Department, and this is Dr. Albert Godet. We'll be answering your questions, although I must warn you that we won't have much information for you at this time. Have you been able to identify the body yet? All we know is that she was a young woman, around 17 or 18. We'll be giving out more information to help us identify the body soon. Where was the body found, Inspector? It was found today, around 2.30 p.m., near the Ten Mile River. Is it true that it was found near Lover's Lane? Yes. It was found near what is commonly known as Lover's Lane. Was this woman sexually assaulted in any way, Doctor? No. No. She had no defensive wounds, and there are no indications she was sexually assaulted. But make no mistake. This was a fiendish murder. So is it possible the body was moved there? 
We are still conducting our investigation, and unfortunately, the information we have given you is, frankly, all we have at this time. Time for one more question, Inspector? Fine, go ahead. Where is the police chief in all this? Shouldn't he be in charge of the case? The chief is still on vacation in Florida with his family, so I'm leading this investigation. But I assure you that I will place every detective we have on this case. Thank you, gentlemen. That is all for today. The press, always looking for the next big story. Well, this was more than a big story. It was a huge story. This sort of thing happened in New York or Chicago, not Pawtucket, Rhode Island. The press would end up playing a large role in the advancement of the case. The police sent a description of the woman to the press, hoping that someone somewhere would recognize her. There had to be someone who would see the description and recognize this girl, like her family. Dear, Rita hasn't called us at all, has she? Honey. Has there ever been a time where Rita decided to call her aunt and uncle to let them know she'd be home late? I know, but if she's out this long, she usually drops us some kind of line. I'm sure she's fine, sweetie. I don't know. She's still just a kid. It's not like she hasn't disappeared on us before. Heck, it's not like the rest of her siblings stay around here either. But at least they let us know when they're going out shopping or to the movies. Rita just comes and goes as she pleases. Rita probably just went to visit her mom. She has been visiting her quite a bit lately. Of course she has. She lost her dad to the same disease. She doesn't want to lose her mother, too. And maybe if she did stay there late, she probably didn't want to wake us. Maybe she ended up staying over at Charlene's. Or maybe she had a hot date after her sanatorium visit. Dear, stop it. You know that's a sensitive subject for Rita. That's why I'm talking about it with you and not her. It's not funny, dear. I just want the girl to be happy. After that whole issue with... I know. Rita is a nice girl. And she will find a nice man sometime soon, but she needs to go at her own pace. This is a special news bulletin. A young woman has been found murdered near Slater Park along the Ten Mile River. Police are looking for any and all information about the crime and the identity of the victim. The victim is about 17 years old, had dark brown hair and at the time of her death was wearing a blue dress, a gray coat, and brown and white saddle shoes with yellow socks. If you have any information on the victim or the murder, please contact the police at one 800 Oh my God. That's my Rita! Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. And now, back to our story. When we left off, Rita Bouchard's aunt and uncle had just found out Rita was murdered. They realized this when they heard a description of a dead body found wearing Rita's clothes on the radio. 
That's heartbreaking. Now, Rita's aunt and uncle were in the process of becoming Rita's legal guardians when she died. I can't even begin to imagine a worse way to discover the news. And the body of the 17-year-old girl had now been identified as Rita Bouchard. Rita Bouchard was simply an average American girl living in an average American town. Not much is known about her personal life prior to her murder. If she was so average, why was she living with her aunt and uncle? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it certainly wasn't the typical mid-century family dynamic. Rita's life changed forever when her father got sick in 1939. She was only nine years old. <coughs> Doctor, please. Is my husband going to be all right? Ma'am, I'm sorry to say that it looks as though your husband has an advanced case of tuberculosis. No! Ma'am, for the safety of you and your child, I recommend that your husband immediately be transferred to the Wallam Lake Sanatorium. Rita's father would end up staying in that sanatorium, a place where he was specifically locked away in order to not spread his disease any further for a year. Many 1940s sanatoriums were set up for tuberculosis treatment, as extended rest was believed to be the only course of action in treating the disease until antibiotics were discovered in the 1950s. And although many cases of tuberculosis were in fact cured through sanatoriums, Rita's father didn't get better. His tuberculosis killed him. Rita, her mother, and her siblings were left behind, and they tried their best to move on from this personal tragedy. Did your interview go well, Rita? It did. Mother, I got the job. That's great. An extra paycheck will certainly help around the house. I'm here to help, Mom. Now, next step is to get yourself a nice sweetheart. Mother! What? Rita, you're almost 17. It's nice you have a job, but you have to think about the future. You won't be able to stay here for your whole life, you know. I understand that, Mom, but you know, these things don't just happen out of nowhere. Boyfriends don't grow on trees. Well, who is that boy you were telling me about the other day? Charlie. Why don't you let Charlie know that you're interested? Mom, it doesn't work like that. I'm just saying, honey. You've got to start thinking about this stuff. <laughs> Mother, are you okay? I'm fine. Just a cold, I suppose. <clears throat> I'll get you some water. Thank you, dear. That would be lovely. As you might be able to guess, that wasn't just a cold. <coughs> Rita's mother had now contracted tuberculosis, the very same disease that killed Rita's father. Rita went to live with her aunt and uncle while her mother received treatment at the same sanatorium her father had died at. And all were hoping for a better result. But as the year went by, it was looking more and more likely that Rita's aunt and uncle would become her new legal guardians. Until Rita was murdered. Police were eager to know if Rita's aunt had any information that could jumpstart their investigation. Thank you for coming in, ma'am. I'm sorry for your loss. I can't believe that was her. My poor little Rita. You never think it's going to happen to your baby. You never think it's going to happen. I know, ma'am. I know. We're working our hardest to find the person who committed this crime. And this is where we need your help, ma'am. Is there anything we need to know? Well, first thing that comes to mind is her glasses. Her glasses? Rita never went anywhere without her glasses. She couldn't see without them, couldn't walk even a step. And you found her without her glasses, right? Right. 
Okay, glasses. Anything else? And she had just gotten a new handbag, too. Probably had her ID and some cash in there. Okay, glasses, handbag. Ma'am, did Rita have any enemies? Anyone that had any grudges against her? She did mention Charlie was... Charlie? Her boyfriend. Or her, her former boyfriend, rather. Boyfriend trouble. Seems like a good place to start. Well, any place was a good place to start for the Pawtucket police at this point. Before Rita's aunt came in, they had absolutely nothing to go on. Well, whatever happened between Rita and her boyfriend, it was enough to get her paranoid. So paranoid, she complained to her aunt. Auntie, Charlie's going to come after me. I know it. Oh, honey, that's nonsense. You should have seen the way Charlie blew up at me. You're both young. People are going to get mad at these things. It'll happen. Auntie, I just have this feeling. Look, if you feel that strongly about it, then you should head to the police. The last thing I want is for you to get hurt. So Rita apparently feared that her ex-boyfriend was going to attack her. That's worth looking into. The breakup, their subsequent fight, and Rita's fear all gave Charlie a motive and made him a prime suspect. Plus, the timeline of the murder coincides with their breakup. This revelation of Rita's concerns about her boyfriend was enough to get the police investigation back on track. Interesting. And she never said anything else about Charlie? Nothing beyond what I already told you. Oh, I should have believed her. Ma'am, we don't know if that is what happened, but it's the best we've got thus far. And you said the kid's name was Charlie Andrews? That's correct. All right. We'll look into it. Thank you for your time, ma'am. And again, sorry for your loss. Thank you, Inspector. Thank you for everything you do. Grant! Get in here! Yes? Have some of the boys head back to Slater Park and see if they can find any signs of glasses or new handbag in the vicinity. And have Larry check and see if Rita filed any reports on Charlie Andrews in the last two weeks. Yes, sir. Now the police had their first suspect, and with no clues found at the crime scene, Rita's ex-boyfriend was the only suspect they had. The police were operating under the theory that Rita's murder went something like this. Hello, Rita. Charlie, what are you doing here? Just taking a walk, same as you. Did you follow me here? Perhaps I did. Charlie, don't do anything you'll regret. <laughs> You're the one who's gonna regret leaving me. Oh my god, Charlie, put that knife down! You and I were meant to be together, Rita. We were always meant to be together. I just don't understand it. I don't understand where you went wrong. Help! Someone help! <clears throat> Now that won't do you any good. Help! Help! But this was all just a theory at this point. With only the testimony of Rita's aunt and no hard evidence linking Charlie to the murder, the police brought Charlie in for an interrogation. How long did you and Rita Bouchard go steady? I don't know, about two months. A couple of sources have informed us that you blew a gasket when Rita left. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. I won't deny that. Is there a reason you got so hot that night, Charlie? Yeah, because the breakup came out of nowhere. Rita's all quiet and nice, and suddenly, boom, we're done. She says I ain't her type. 
says I get a little too frustrating. I see. When was the last time you saw Rita? That night, two weeks ago. Is that so? I got hot at the time, sure, but if we're through, we're through. I'm not gonna do anything stupid. Where were you on Friday, January 31st, between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m.? I went out to dinner with my mother, and before you ask what happened after that, I went home and went to bed early. I had to be up the next morning at 6 a.m. to go pick up my father from Attleboro Station. All right, Charlie, do you know if Rita had anyone who would want to go after her? Anything she talked to you about? Your guess is as good as mine, officer. As I said, she was a nice and quiet girl, unless she was giving you the boot. Thank you for your time, Charlie. Well, that was one avenue that was closed pretty quickly. There's always the possibility that Charlie was simply lying to police. Very true. Rita specifically mentioned her fear of being attacked by Charlie. The simplest explanation for the murder is that Charlie killed Rita in a jealous rage. Unfortunately for the police, Charlie's alibi checked out. And police interviewed Rita's other boyfriends, but all of their alibis checked out as well. So while the boyfriend theory was nice, it just led to another dead end. But the police quickly ran with another theory. The possibility that it might have been a woman who was jealous of Rita's romantic relationships. So you're Charlie's fling, ain't you? Excuse me? Charlie Andrews? You're his fling, ain't ya? Charlie and I split weeks ago. There's nothing between us anymore. Do you expect me to believe that? I don't need this right now. I'm no longer seeing Charlie, and I don't need any of this right now. Don't walk away from me. And did that lead anywhere? Nope. Wadsworth and the police were unable to find any women that connected to both Rita and her boyfriends. Hmm. With both of their initial theories dismissed, the Pawtucket police doubled their efforts to investigate the crime scene and figure out Rita's general whereabouts that day. They were desperate to find something, anything, that would point them down the right path. Rita's last known sighting was at her job at the Rhode Island Fabrics Company the afternoon before her murder, where Rita stepped into her boss's office with an odd request. Come in, come in. Mr. Franklin? What do you need, Rita? I was wondering if I could leave early today. Rita, you've only been here for two hours, and you were late today as it is. I know, I know, but I'm really not feeling well, Mr. Franklin, and I want to go see a doctor before the weekend starts. All right, Rita. Plus, I want to go see my mother. Her condition is getting worse by the day, and I want to get a chance to see her before all this gets worse, because, you know... I already said you can go. But get yourself checked out and get here on time Monday, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Franklin. We need you here, Rita. These fabrics just don't sell themselves, you know? Of course, sir. Thank you. But after that, no word from Rita. She never showed up to the sanatorium. Maybe she used her mother's illness as an excuse to play hooky from work. Police asked everyone in town about Rita's potential whereabouts, hoping to figure out where she went after leaving work. Yeah, I saw her. She was by that new cafeteria on Main Street at, uh, what, uh, 5.30? I was on my route and I saw some girl get into a car on Maple near the movie theater. I get to the Maple stop around six every day on the dot. Police grilled her friends and neighbors, hoping they could provide more insight into her murder. Hello? Can I help you, officer? Are you Mr. Raymond Patnod? Yes. I haven't done anything wrong, have I? (laughs) No need to panic, Mr. Patnod. I'm just here to ask you about Rita Bouchard. Oh, uh, of course. Rita and I have been neighbors for years. We grew up together. 
anything I can do to help. Do you have any information about her plans on the evening of January 31st? I'm sorry, but I don't. I I saw her leaving her house that morning, but that's about it. I know her mother isn't doing so well, so I assumed she'd be off to see her. Huh, figures. Well, I'm going to ask you to think real hard right now, Mr. Padnod. Is there anything you can remember that would help us in this matter? Any suspicious characters lurking about? Anything Rita said to you? I'm sorry. I, I don't have anything for you. I, I truly don't. I really wish I could help. Yeah. That's what they all say. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, let's continue our story. As quickly as the investigation of Rita Bouchard's murder started, it seemed to end. The Pawtucket police had absolutely no leads, and the case was going cold. Wadsworth was at the end of his rope. A major crime had happened in his town, and there was nothing he could do. Hey, anything from the phones, Grant? Nothing but teenagers thinking it's funny to send us out on wild goose chases. <laughs> Calling for the public's help sure was a bright idea, wasn't it? We didn't really have many other options, sir. I can't believe we haven't found a damn thing. No suspects, no weapon, no glasses, no handbag, nothing. There's gotta be something we're missing. I'm sure at least the chief will be mighty proud of you when he gets back. Chief's gonna have a hell of a time when he hears about all of this. It looked as though there was nothing left for them to investigate. Well, not quite. A full 18 days after the initial murder of Rita Bouchard, the unlikeliest of sources put the investigation back on track. Oh, you can't catch me. You know I'm the faster one. That ain't true. I'm the... Ouch! What happened? Oh, my foot hit something. What is it? It's... Whoa. It's a knife. Neat. Wait, is that blood? Don't touch it! What should we do? Mom? Mom! That's got to be a frightening experience for the kids, and I'm sure their parents were horrified at what their sons brought home. In any case, the parents brought the knife to the attention of the police, who went right back to work matching the knife with the murder. Hmm. Is it a match, Doc? Yes, Inspector. The knife fits the through holes in the coat. This is the knife that killed Rita Bouchard. Finally, we got something. I want every inch of that park looked over again. Increase the search radius. I want to find this guy, and I want to find him fast. All right, we're back on the case. What's next? Another two months of absolutely nothing. What? But they found the murder weapon. Yep. While the knife's discovery did reinvigorate the force, investigators weren't able to trace the weapon to anyone in particular. And there was still no sign of the glasses or the handbag. Additional searches of the area yielded no additional clues. It's hard to even believe that the police missed the knife the first time. What else could they have missed? It's very possible that this knife wasn't the murder weapon. It had been over two weeks since the initial murder. It's hard to believe no one had come across the knife in the weeks before those two boys found it. Plus, just because the knife fit the stab wounds does not necessarily mean that it was the knife used to kill Rita. But on the flip side, why would another bloodied knife be lying around in Slater Park? This was a very small Rhode Island town. The murder of Rita Bouchard was not just out of the ordinary, it was a once-in-a-lifetime event. Well, there's always the chance it was perhaps the knife of a local hunter, or even some teenage boys fooling around or playing a prank. 
Despite finding the possible murder weapon, the case was as cold and as dead as most of the bodies we discuss on this podcast. But in April of 1947, the case was once again brought back to life. We're now closing in on three months since the body was found. Yeah, what a zombie case this is. It keeps coming back from the dead. Well, we did say this was a pretty strange case. So did they find another lead? Yes, they did. Thanks to a seemingly unrelated crime. Hey, Grant. What do you need? Yeah, we got a new guy in lockup. Can you get the chief to look at the new case file? Chief's left for the day. Dinner with his wife tonight. Well, we need someone to look at it. You want me to find out where the chief's having dinner? Nah, don't disrupt his date. Just give it to Wadsworth. It's not like that murder case is getting any warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the charge on this guy, anyways? Carnal knowledge. Oh, Jesus. Carnal knowledge? Carnal knowledge was an old-fashioned term for sex, originating from the book of Genesis. Mm, I know it was a different time, but sex on its own doesn't seem like much of a crime. It wasn't. But in the legal sense, carnal knowledge generally referred to a sexual act with someone who wasn't yet of legal age. Ah, that makes much more sense. But how does this relate back to Rita's murder? The suspect had a connection to Rita. Come in. Sir, we got a case for you. Chief already won on his date? Yes, sir. Fine. What do you got? 17 years old, arrested on charges of carnal knowledge. And the victim? And eight-year-old boy, sir. Oh, dear lord. We've already pulled his report, sir. He was arrested two years ago on car theft charges. And it seems he has a history of, well, carnal knowledge. Shouldn't be too hard to put this guy away. Well, fella, let's get this done. I'm going to ask you a few questions, all right? Sir, I... I didn't do anything. This is all a misunderstanding. Wait a minute. You're Raymond Pattonod, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Hmm. I think I have more than a few questions for you. Raymond Pattonod? The neighbor that Wadsworth had interviewed during the initial investigation? Yep. Police arrested Rita's supposed friend on a completely different charge. Doesn't seem like a bit of a stretch to make Raymond a suspect, though. But sure, he was a friend of Rita's, but this carnal knowledge charge has absolutely no connection with Rita's murder. Well, at this point, the police were desperate. This was essentially the biggest case in the history of Pawtucket. And there was no suspect, no real clues, and seemingly no chance that the murderer would be found. Rita's pedophile neighbor was the closest thing they had to a suspect. It was now or never for the Pawtucket police. Despite the tenuous connection, police interrogated Raymond Pattonod, determined to learn the truth about Rita. The interrogation didn't end for another 72 hours. Ooh, that's a lot of interrogation. Well, I'm sure there were some breaks, but yes. For the next three days, Wadsworth and Raymond were going back and forth. Wadsworth hoping to finally break this case open. Tell me the truth here, Raymond. Where were you between the hours of 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Friday, January 31st? The same place I've been telling you and all your friends for the past three days. I was hanging around downtown. What were you doing downtown? I was seeing a movie. What movie? Gentleman's Agreement. Yesterday you said you saw Mother wore tights. I don't know. They came out at the same time. I, I see a lot of movies, all right? Rita Bouchard was reported to be in the same area around the same time. Did you have any interaction with her? What do you want from me? I want the truth, Raymond. 
I want to know what you were doing between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. on January 30th. What's the game here, Inspector? What do you want me to say? Did you see Rita Bouchard the night of her murder? I... I... I did. Alright? I did see her beforehand. I was with Rita that night. Well, that interrogation took a turn. Mm, but now the investigation of Rita's murder was back in full swing, and stronger than ever. But what story did Raymond have to tell? What further twists and turns did his side of the story have to offer? Tune in next week to find out. Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on Facebook or Twitter at Parcast Network. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and next Tuesday, we'll continue our look at the murder of Rita Bouchard and the story of the case's only true suspect. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro and Kenny Hobbs, production assistance by Maggie Admire, Carly Madden, and Jeanette Manning. Unsolved Murders is written by Nicholas Tedesco and stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Austin, Kimberly Holland, Harris Markson, Nick Masu, Kenna McEnroe, Manu Narayan, and Steve Pinto. <laughs>